In episode 504 with Dr. Amy Shah, we are talking all about cravings and the importance of our gut microbiome. We've spoken so much about the gut microbiome on the show, but we dive even deeper into it today. We also talk about how you can change your gut microbiome in just three days and stop your cravings. We talk about hunger hijackers, intuitive eating, the six things that we all should be eating, the lifestyle factors that affect your health, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this conversation because we are diving deep into cravings and also talking a lot about the gut microbiome, which I am so excited about. But for those of you that have never heard of Dr. Amy Shah, she is a double board certified medical doctor and nutrition expert with training from Cornell, Columbia and Harvard universities. Drawing from her background in internal medicine and allergy immunology, as well as her own wellness journey, she has dedicated her practice to helping her patients feel better and live healthier through her integrative and holistic approaches to wellness. Talking my language, she is. She was named one of Mind Body Green's top 100 women in wellness to watch in 2015, and she's appeared regularly on TV shows, podcasts, and in magazines. And she's the author of I Am So Effing Tired and I'm So Effing Hungry, which is out right now. And she lives in Arizona with her family. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 504. Now, let's bring on the incredible Dr. Amy. Amy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, and I'm very excited for the answer for this question. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, well, thank you, Musa, first of all, for having me on. And as a lot of people who might know me know that I practice something called circadian style fasting or circadian rhythm fasting, where I eat an early dinner. And so I still eat breakfast, even though I'm fasted, just have it um, slightly delayed. So today I had probiotic cottage cheese with berries and nuts like I do most days and a chai with it. And I snacked on some nuts and green tea before clinic. And then I had some raw vegetables as a snack all morning. So yeah, I have, I like to front load the food at the beginning of the day because it's so much more metabolically useful at that time. Yes. Okay. So talk to me, what time do you finish eating dinner usually? Around 7 PM. And then my goal is to not eat anything until the next morning. And depending on how I feel, most days I'm going for a workout in the morning before I eat. So I'm not eating till 9am or so. And so it's about a 14, 15 hour fast, depending on the day. And I vary it based on how much stress is in my life, the parts of the cycle I'm in, and just generally how I'm feeling. Like if I haven't slept well, or if I've had a lot of stress in my life, I might shorten the window. Whereas if I'm feeling good, I just have a busy day, I might extend the window a little bit. Yes. I feel like everyone can benefit from an overnight fast, like at least 12 hours or whatever it is. For me, I do, I usually finish eating. I'm, I'm a bit earlier. I usually finish eating at around 5.30 p.m., and then I don't usually eat until 7.30 a.m. And so, yeah, I have nothing in between that. I will have water when I wake up. So I'll have my water and then eat breakfast at 7.30. And that really works for me. I honestly could probably go a little bit longer, but I choose to sit and eat with my daughter and that's when she eats. But usually I might be able to go like another hour before I actually feel hungry at all. 
Oh, that's the perfect timing. When I can finish my meals even earlier, like five or six o'clock, that's the ideal situation because then you wake up and you're ready to go and you're hungry and your body is just set to eat in the morning and fast overnight. So that's really great. Yes. Okay. And then, so do you eat lunch and then, then you eat your dinner? Anything in the afternoon? Do you do snacks? Talk to us about that. Okay. So I used to snack a lot because what I used to do is like maybe two or three years ago, I would just take nuts and berries with me and some veggies and just snack and not really do a lunch until I got home for dinner. But as I've been really working on my muscle mass and trying to, as I age, you know, build more muscle, I realized I was abysmally low on my protein because I would not really eat much. I'd eat a lot of fats, like healthy fats, like with nuts and nut butters and bars, but I wouldn't really eat much food. And so what I was ending up with very, very low protein in my diet. And so I changed it up. So my first meal of the day has protein in it. Then I decided that instead of snacking, I would eat a proper lunch with, you know, some kind of salad and protein or soup. And then I eat a dinner early, like we said, again, of protein. So I really cut my snacking and it's been really great way to actually increase the fiber and protein in my diet. Because when you're snacking a lot, it's usually really portable things like bars and um, smoothies and, fr- and they're all healthy, but they really were not really food that was nutrient dense. And so now I really sit down and have three actual meals and try not to snack in between. Yes, that's what works for me as well. I find if I snack, I'm too full for my meal and I just feel like I've just put all this food on top of undigested food and I feel sick and bloated. So for me, three meals works really well without snacking in between. And that just, yeah, that really works well for me. And then sitting and eating mindfully and being present with my food, that really works for me. But I would love to hear, can you talk to us about hunger and where this all got stuffed up? Like, I feel like we have such an abundance of food at our fingertips. We can grab a bar. We can grab anything within seconds. So we are disconnected from our hunger. We, we don't even tune in anymore. Can you talk to us about this and how can we retune in with our hunger? Yeah, great questions. It's really not our fault. Most of this environment that we live in is toying with our neurochemical pathways and making us crave and making us hungrier for certain foods. And so a lot of people say like, why do I struggle so much with food cravings or wanting certain unhealthy things in my life, food or otherwise? And I tell them that it's because we're part of the system that has created addictions to unhealthy things that's including food, but also, you know, internet and gaming and all um, gambling and all of those things are the craving pathway. So the secret is, is that our gut, our gut microbiome, those little critters that live inside our body are responsible for the abnormal amount of cravings and hunger. They're also responsible for our rise in depression, anxiety, and inflammation. So it's all connected. If you think about it, whoa, depression is rising. Inflammatory diseases are rising. Cravings and hunger is on the rise. And we're more obese in the developed world than we ever have been, even though we have all the diets in the world and all the medications, because it's all connected to the gut. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I've spoken so much about the gut microbiome on this show and the importance of it. It is paramount and it affects our hunger, our cravings, all of those things. So what are the three hunger hijackers that you talk about? Hunger is often hijacked, one, by ultra-processed foods that we have in our environment. These foods are engineered to create an explosion of dopamine when you eat them. They have been engineered to have 
perfect mouthfeel, to have a bliss point so that your brain produces the most uh, dopamine when it eats it. So these foods are hijacking your natural signals, right? If you eat an apple or delicious strawberries, no matter how much you love them, at some point your brain's going to be like, okay, I'm done. When you eat ultra-processed foods, it hijacks those pathways and you no longer know if you're full or not. Like, as you know, you can eat an entire bag ultra-processed foods without even feeling full. And so our natural signals that are built in our bodies don't work anymore. And we're left with this, it's like we're still hungry, but we're overfed. And this is such a huge issue. And when you toy with the dopamine pathways like these companies do, people start to eat out of emotion. That's another way that it hijacks your own pathways. When you're sad, angry, frustrated, often you want soothing. And if you remembered from when you were 12 and you ate a certain processed food or something that calmed you down, you start to develop a want and a need for that particular comfort. That's why they call it comfort foods, right? There's certain foods that evoke comfort and that's, you're not hungry for those foods. Most of the time you're, you're not even hungry at all. It's because it's evoking emotion. And you and I both know that even if you're not food addicted, almost everyone has an emotional connection to food, whether it's from a good memory or bad memory or something that comforted them through the years. And so those things really hijack your normal pathways of telling you that you're full and that you're satiated. Mm -hmm. So how can we start to correct this? How can we start to heal our gut microbiome and stop the sugar and the junk food cravings? How do we like unlearn all of this? Yeah, that's a great question. So the great news is that the microbiome changes in three days, in little less three days. There was a landmark study in 2014 where they actually radically changed people's diets. And they were just trying to see like, how fast does the gut bacteria change? And it was three days, they saw whole new colonies. And of course it increased from three days onwards, but they were able to see it very quickly. And so I tell people, it's so encouraging. All you have to do is start to change what you eat, start to feed the reason why we're hungry is because that gut bacteria is hungry. They're hungry for their nutrients. Part of the reason we are so obese and overfed in this country and in this world is that our brains want more nutrients. It's trying to sense, do we have enough nutrients? And if we don't, it keeps us eating. And then we never really feel satisfied, but, and our gut microbes are starving. So feed those gut bacteria what they want and what they need to survive. And all of a sudden, they're going to start making neurochemicals that crave more of that healthy food. And so as you start to change the gut bacteria, they start to help you. So motivation will follow the action. So as we always say, start moving, start exercising every day eventually that motivation is going to come. And most days, a lot of us, we wake up and it's just the habit that break, uh, gives us the push to go do that workout or to do that fast or to do, but then over time you get motivated to do it. And sometimes you wake up and you're like, I got this, but you can't just rely on motivation, right? You have to create the action. So I always tell people, start eating the foods, start doing the actions, and then the motivation will follow. And it's just three days, like just eat really clean for three days and your gut microbiome will change and then you won't crave those things like you used to. It's really quite simple, isn't it? Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever loved those sweet coffee drinks from the coffee house. And I used to get these like vanilla, you know, swirl, whatever drinks. And I stopped getting it for a couple of weeks when I was trying to reset my gut. And when I went back to taste it, I was like, oh my God, I used to drink this sugar bomb of a drink. And it's almost like your taste buds change, your preferences change, and it's an ongoing process. It just snowballs from there. Absolutely. 
So how can we get more in tune and really dial up our intuitive eating? Yeah. So remember that our intuition is being colored by all these hijackers in our environment and colored, literally colored, because we only see what they're showing us. So things are bright red and they are super tasty. And so it's so hard to tune into our inner body signal. So one of the biggest things I I talk about in the book is like, instead of trying to just remove everything from your diet, because as you know, 2023, you could remove everything from your diet because everything does something bad vegetables, fruit, nuts, you can you name it and there's something bad about it. Wait, I just want to touch on that because like some people are very confused and I get it because there's literally a for and against for everything. Like there will be someone who debates that broccoli is not good for you. There will be someone that debates that an apple is not good for you. And that goes for everything. And it's so, it can feel really confusing. So where do we begin? Uh, Yeah, it is so confusing. So the way I think about it is think about it from the microbes point of view, these little bacteria that live in your gut, they produce dopamine, they produce serotonin, they produce hunger and satiation hormones. Okay. So think about feeding them more than anything. And I think when you do that, it becomes so much clearer what you should be eating. Instead of just restricting everything, you start to think about what are the microbes love to eat? And if you stick to those things, you are going to improve your gut health, improve your mental health, lessen your cravings, and really feel great in your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. So talk to us about your book. I'm so effing tired. I love the title, by the way. A Proven Plan to Beat Burnout, Boost Your Energy and Reclaim Your Life. This was obviously written from your own personal experience. Talk to us about this. Yeah. So my first book was called I'm So Effing Tired. And the reason I wrote that book is because everybody who was coming to me, especially women, were always feeling exhausted. And that was the number one complaint. And there were so many different places on the internet trying to speak to, oh, it's a hormone imbalance. Oh, it's a adrenal fatigue. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And I tried to parse it out for people to say, hey, if you're exhausted all the time, start here. And so it was a plan to kind of boost your energy from inside out. Yes. And then you wrote, I'm so effing hungry why we crave what we crave and what to do about it. And again, was this your personal experience with cravings that really propelled you to write this? Yeah. So the way it came about is that I'm an immigrant. So my family brought me to America at the age of five and they were, you know, they had put their lives on hold, sold everything. And we really struggled for the first couple of years. They, my parents both worked. And, but they wanted to come to build a future for me. At that time, it was only me. I didn't have any siblings. And one day we were sitting there. It was probably like two or three years after we had come to America. And my parents looked just so down and really sad. And I said, what happened? And they said, oh, we just got the bad news. And I said, what? And he said, my dad who was in his thirties at the time. He said, just got diagnosed with diabetes. So he had type two diabetes. And then he said, and all of my brothers and my mom and everyone in our family who came has all been diagnosed. So basically they found it in one of the brothers. So they tested everybody and they found that all of them were, had high blood sugars and probably for a long period of time. And they said, oh, it's probably, it may be because of our diet and lifestyle. And I thought he looked thin, he was active and I couldn't even make sense. And at that time, I really started to become interested in nutrition because I thought, well, was it the change in the food? Was it that their metabolism changed? And you know, in reality, when I look back at it, a lot had changed. They were more sedentary because they were working desk jobs and working long hours. And then when they would get home, instead of making the traditional Indian meal, they would order pizza or get something very quick. And there was a lot of soda, Coke and Pepsi consumption. And looking back at it, I can see clearly what was happening, 
but they were really devastated. And it really propelled me at that time to kind of think about why, what is food doing to our bodies? And so I went to nutrition school after that, that went to medical school. And, you know, I realized that despite our best intentions, we can say, oh, I'm not going to eat sugary processed foods or, you know, salty processed foods. And despite that, it overrides our ability to stay away from them because our world that we live in is built around these foods and staying addicted to these foods. And I thought, wow, if we can bring this information to more people that can understand how cravings and hunger actually work, we can solve so many problems, not just obesity, not just food addiction, not just craving pathways, but really mood, inflammatory disease, and anti-aging. All of these things are connected to the same gut bacteria that control cravings. Mm -hmm. So tell us some of the success stories of people with diabetes and reversing it with diet. Tell us some of your most exciting success stories. Well, you know, my dad was one of them. When I learned this technique, I said to him, oh my God, it's coming from your gut. You're inflamed because of your gut. You are getting diabetes and cravings and hunger. And it's all related, Melissa. Like as soon as he started to rebuild his gut, the cravings became easier to manage. The energy levels went up. The glucose levels came down. And all of a sudden, he was like, how is this working? And it's like, if we could bottle this up into a pill or a solution, it would be billions, the biggest breakthrough medication. But it really comes from just changing, number one, your diet, and number two, your lifestyle. And I think it's so powerful to think, wow, now we even know that depression is highly connected to gut health. And so- when we look at the trajectory of our world and we say, okay, we're doing great in many aspects, but we're doing very poorly with mental health. We're doing really poorly with inflammation-related diseases like diabetes, heart disease. And so when I was able to really reverse him, like pretty much to the lowest level of medication that you could be on, I knew that there was something here. So of course I did it to myself. I did it to all the people that I worked with and I saw one by one, their mood changing, their cravings changing, their gut health improving. I mean, it was like some a light went off. Wow, that's amazing. So what they're eating, what do you recommend? So I talk about the super sick and I'm so effing hungry. What I decided to do is instead of, really overwhelming everyone with recommendations. I thought, what are the six foods that you should be eating every day that would transform your gut health? And so what I did is I included the super six, some of which are familiar, like fiber, you know, fiber, either probiotic or prebiotic. It's really familiar to most. Polyphenols even might be familiar to most, like berries, tea, dark chocolate, brightly colored vegetables. But then there are things that people might not have heard of, like dopamine-boosting foods. There are foods that contain tyrosine and other amino acids that actually boost the dopamine in your brain, help you with your craving control so you can feel more satisfied. So that, then amino acid-rich foods. So one of the things that I learned is that our body senses amino acids to send off signals of um, fullness. And that's why high-protein diets help you stay fuller. And so having more amino acid-rich, protein-rich foods it's very important. And then we have omega-3 fatty acid rich foods. So we know about omega-3 fatty acids for the brain, but we also realize that they feed that gut bacteria what it wants. It really loves omega-3 fatty acids. So we want to include those. And so that's okay. So omega-3 fatty acids, polyphenols. Oh, the last one, number six is the glucosinolates. Glucosinolates are a group of, is a compound that's found in most cruciferous vegetables, like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, bok choy. And this is this magic anti-inflammatory properties, but they also feed that gut bacteria what it needs and it produces a chemical that makes you feel full. Oh, I love these six. This is amazing. But just go back to the dopamine foods. Can you give us some examples of some dopamine foods? 
Yeah. So dopamine rich foods are foods that are rich in tyrosine. Tyrosine is amino acid that is found in dairy foods, in meats, lean meats, in nuts and seeds. And so if you think about it, like that cottage, uh, probiotic cottage cheese with berries and nuts and seeds would give you the dopamine boost. Tofu scramble, egg scramble, something like that would be great. Cherries and berries are great dopamine boosters. Dopamine is the chemical in your brain that makes you feel motivated and energized. And so eating dopamine-rich foods in the morning, especially, it's going to be really powerful in setting your day. Mm, I love this so much. I love these six. They're so helpful. And then you can kind of select what you desire and then mix it up. You know, you're not just saying just eat broccoli and just eat cauliflower. You're like any of those foods that fall under that umbrella, eat those. Yeah. In fact, some people tell me, you know, there's all this controversy around kale and some people can't tolerate cabbage or whatever. So that's why it's so beautiful. You can take just one that you love from that group and then you can take one that you love from the next group. And the thing is, Melissa, is that most of us, um, 97% of the world's population is not in eating enough of these foods. So fiber is one of, is the nutrient that people are not getting nearly enough of. And I thought to myself, wow, I used to think of myself as a very healthy person. I mean, I went to nutrition school. I went to medical school. But the problem was, is that I was eating a very convenient, busy person's diet, like so many of us. And it was full of coffees and bars and easily portable foods, but they take out all the fiber and the polyphenols and the glucosinolates. And so we're eating a diet that doesn't have almost any of these six foods. And we're expecting that over the long term, we're going to be able to manage our cravings and our mood and our inflammation. And like when I learned the science, I thought, oh my God, if more people knew about this, how many people would be happier, would be healthier, would be making better choices in their lives? It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love this so much. It's so great. So Talk about some of the lifestyle adjustments that we can make to really support our health. Okay. I love when you talked about your fasting schedule and I talked about mine because I think that's one of the best things you can do. We, our bodies live on these 24-hour cycles called circadian rhythms and we are powered by sun. And when we see sun our gut bacteria get signals that we saw sun, even though they're deep in the bowels, they also have a circadian rhythm. So they find out, okay, it's daytime, time to metabolize, time to send signals. And when they sense it's nighttime, they know it's time to repair. It's time to renew. It's time to make all the repairs overnight. So that's, it's really, really important to see sunlight during the day, to exercise during the day. And then to really turn down that blue light in the evening and to sleep in darkness and really get that clear distinction between day and night that has often been lost, especially with the pandemic, because people start to work it late into the night, eat big meals, you know, late, late into the night. And then they're getting no natural light during the day or especially in the morning and their bodies become confused. And when that happens, your gut bacteria can't work as efficiently and you feel the effects of almost like perpetual jet lag. And so that's one. And then exercise is the other one. Exercise is the best probiotic you could ever be taking. There is no probiotic that is stronger than that because when you exercise, the gut bacteria get happy and they release these happy chemicals. They also release this anti-inflammatory compound that goes and calms everything in your body. And so it's like a free anti-inflammatory compound every time you exercise. And so it calms the cravings, it calms the anxiety, and then it also calms the inflammation in your body. Mm, a thousand percent. I feel so good when I move my body. And I always say that I move my body like mainly for my mental health because it makes me feel so good. So how long do we need to be moving for? Are there specific types of exercise that release more endorphins or is it just move? I'd love your thoughts. 
Yeah. Just move is always my thoughts because there's a lot of people who think that if they don't have an hour and they don't have access to a gym, that they can't work out. And I, for me, it's like walking is an amazing exercise. Going for an outdoor walk so you can get that circadian rhythm input and you can move your body is one of the easiest, most effective ways to improve your health. The other thing is like, say you don't, you're short on time, doing a high intensity short workout is actually been shown to help with cravings and hunger and satiation, even though it seems like, oh, if I exercise, I'm going to get hungrier. But no, it actually helps you control your cravings and hunger. And so that's high intensity exercise. Then we have just the walking in nature, which helps you calm your cortisol. Then we have yoga. I mean, every single type of exercise has some benefit. But my personal favorite for someone who's just like, I need just to know what to do is walking. Walking to me is the most underused, underrated exercise on planet Earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's free and you get more benefits if you're outside breathing in fresh air. You've got the sunlight, like you mentioned. You're getting all of those negative ions. It's so good. So just walk. I love that. And for me, I like mixing things up. I like doing some yoga and then I like doing another day some Pilates and then I might do a dance. Then I might go for a walk one day. I might do a 15-minute high intensity. For me, it's all about variety. That is what really lights me up. I'm not the type of person that can do the same thing every day. I get too bored. I love variety. And this morning, to be honest, my energy levels weren't you know, really up there. So I just did 15 minutes of yoga and that felt really good. Absolutely. I think that's, I think Melissa, most, so many people that I work with will say to me, no, I don't have time to exercise, you know? And I say, it's not like you have to block off time to exercise. It's like just going for a walk in the morning, just taking the farthest parking spot, just taking the steps. I mean, we have really good evidence that exercise snacks, like, you know, really small bouts of exercise through the day are as good as one full session of exercise. And some days it might be, I was the same way today. I woke up and I said, you know what? I'm not going to go for my usual class. Just going to go for a sunny walk. And it was just what I needed to start my Monday off right. I love that. Exercise snacks. That's awesome. So yeah, just throughout the day. And I think when you have kids, you are a lot more active. Well, I know I am so much more active, like even just running up and down the stairs with her, up and down the hallway, bouncing on the little rebounder with her, dancing. We have little dance parties, like just before dinner, we'll put on a song and we'll just dance to one song. And so I love this idea of just exercise snacks, drip fed throughout your day, really to boost those dopamine levels in your body and to get you healthier and happier. Yeah. I talk about when I learned the science of circadian rhythms and exercise, I switched my normal indoor workouts to at least one walk a day outdoors. And it was like life-changing because then I felt, didn't feel the pressure of always going for that workout. If I woke up tired or if I woke up, you know, didn't have a good night's sleep or whatever, I felt freeing to say, you know what, I'm just going to do my nature walk today, or I'm just going to go for my hike, or I'm going to take just a few minutes in between patients or in between calls to go outside and get some fresh air. It was uh, freeing and less stressful in so many ways. Mm, I love that so much. Are there any other lifestyle factors that we could consider? who you spend time with. So we now know that we share microbes with the people we share the most time with, space-wise, time-wise. And so if you take two identical twins and you separate them, their microbes are more, are closer to the like their spouse or their family members or the people they spend the most time with than each other. So we know that you are really shaped by the people you spend time with and you can catch their good germs, just like you can catch their bad germs. And so I think this concept of we're always trying to stay away from people and not catch their germs, you really actually do want to catch other people's germs, especially if they are very healthy or motivated or happy or 
the people that you spend time with, as you know, rub off on you, not just because of their mindsets, but because of the bacteria transfer that's happening. So fascinating. That's amazing. And I know as well with women, they often sync up with their cycles. So my closest girlfriends, we're all on the same cycle, you know, give or take one or two days. That is so fascinating. I love this. So if you are listening and you have really happy and healthy and motivated friends, go and sit next to them and share some food with them or touch their skin or like share space with them. Really, it's it's about, and if you have children, surround them with all different types of people, get exposure to, we know that children benefit, benefit the most from exposure to good bacteria, animals, other people, siblings, friends, they love to see other microbes because it builds their a strong gut microbiome for them. But what if they get sick along the way? Is that just part of it? Yeah. So of course, we don't want them to get too sick. You know, it's like this healthy balance of sharing food, sharing time, sharing space with healthy individuals. Of course, if you know that there's someone who's sick, actively sick, then you shouldn't expose them to them. However, if it just happens that you've exposed them to healthy animals and healthy people and they happen to get sick, it's just their microbiome learning. It's their immune system and microbiome. They're working together to learn and it's okay. Mm. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because like as a mama of a little one, it's like, Oh, anytime any child has like a snotty nose or something, I'm like, ah, stay away, stay away, stay away. Yes, absolutely. I mean, of course, you don't want to intentionally expose them to sick people, especially sick children, but exposing them to lots of different animals, so nature and to healthy people is one of the best things you can do to them. Yeah, I've heard this so much. And I think for me, we don't, yeah, she doesn't really, she's not around a lot of animals. Like we see birds and we see things, but she's not like up there, like rolling around with dogs and cats and things like that because we don't have them. Yeah. You don't need to have animals per se, but what we want to do is we want to mimic as much as possible a natural environment. And so that means that there's something about farm life, for example, that is really, really healthy for children. And so if you can mimic that in any way, go to the park, you know, spend time in nature, you really can benefit their immune system, their microbiome, their brain health, all of it. Absolutely. She is outside for most of the day. She goes outside. She's outside right now with her nanny. And then we go to the beach. We eat our lunch outside. And then she comes back for her sleep. And then we go back outside for the whole afternoon. So we are at the beach or at the park most of the day and she loves it and I love it too like I don't yeah she's yeah and we live right near the beach so I mean for me too like I don't want to be inside all day I want to be outside especially when it's nice yes exactly and you know intuitively it makes sense yet our entire lives contradict the science we are living indoors. We are getting very little natural light. We are getting lots of blue light that's disturbing our circadian rhythms at night. Then we're not eating foods that are nurturing the gut bacteria. And then we wonder why depression is on the rise, anxiety is on the rise, why we have a problem with hunger and cravings and mood. And this is why. Absolutely. So get outside as much as Possible. Outside, outside, outside. I'd love to hear, Amy, what is your definition of success and what do you attribute your success to? I love this. Success to me is inner peace of the mind, of the body, of the soul. It's not something that someone can give to you from the outside. It's coming from inside. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's beautiful. What is bringing you the most joy in your life right now? Oh, gosh. What's bringing me the most joy, to be honest, is that I know that this information is not only going to help people with their cravings and hunger, but I know that this information is going to help change the trajectory of their life into 
happier, healthier people. And it just brings me joy to think like, oh my God, there are people who may not ever have known some of this information. And all of a sudden they're going to be changing their lives for the better. It just like that fills me up inside. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, diet and lifestyle, they're such a huge part of our life and they can really make us thrive or the opposite. And it's these little things that we do every day that add up to big results or big consequences. And so the more that we can take care of ourselves and love ourselves and nourish ourselves on every level, the better, the longer, the happier that we're going to live. Absolutely. I think, you know, for so many years and still in medicine, we're kind of disconnected from nutrition and wellness and lifestyle. I think it's finally coming to a head. So these studies have been percolating for over 20 years. And so I'm so happy that this stuff is finally coming out into the world and really, really teaching everyone that there is so much power in food and lifestyle habits. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm excited for it too. Now, if you had a magic wand, let's just pretend you do, and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, besides your books, which should be in the curriculum, what is one book you would choose? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. The book, I'll just tell you the book that changed my life. And I think this could be in a college curriculum, probably maybe like an older is the first book that Tim Ferriss ever wrote at the four hour work week. And the reason I liked that book is to me, that was my, and I hadn't been a big reader at that time. And that was the first book that captivated me into learning some techniques to really maximize your power. Like you don't need to work a traditional job. You don't need to live a traditional life. It just opened my eyes that there was so much out there that we could be doing that was different from the mainstream. And I really, really appreciated that book because I think a lot of people grow up thinking that there's just one path and that they have to follow the straight line. And the four-hour work week really just said to me, at that time, like, whoa, there's a whole world out there and all this opportunity and go for it. Go for whatever it is that you really love or think that can impact the world. And I think every child should know that. Absolutely. It's such a good book. I'll link to it in the show notes as well as your books. It is essential reading. It did show me, oh, wow, there is another way. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was, I didn't follow it to the T or anything. It just opened my eyes and I became a voracious reader. Just, I don't know, there's something about that book that just made me say, whoa, I need to learn more outside of my realm of thinking. And it was like, that's when I started to really read more regularly and it really, really changed my life. Mm, I love that. Highly recommend that everyone go and read it and let us know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now, you spoke a little bit about your routine and when you eat and things like that, but can you talk us through a quote-unquote typical day in your life? I love hearing about people's morning routines and their rituals. Talk us through from the moment you wake up till you go to bed, a typical day. Okay. So a typical day, I will wake up between around 6 a.m. and my kids leave for school around 7, 7.15 so there's a little brief moment to say hello. I have been doing a habit of sky before screens where I don't look at my phone. So what I do is the mom screens. When I look at my phone, I give myself less than one minute. So within 60 seconds, I have to just screen it for any very important text messages. And basically the rule is I have to get sky before I dive into my inbox or dive into social media or dive into the phone. And so I go outside and look at the sky. And sometimes it's a walk. Sometimes it's just a two minute look into the sky, some gratitude. And then I go in and get ready for the morning. Most mornings I work out fasted and I go for my workout, whether it's a walk. Like I said, today I went for a walk because I was just wanting a very low-key, relaxing morning. And other times I go for a weight training workout, which is indoor-outdoor. So I do some outdoor and some indoor. And then I break my fast 
in the morning. And then that's when I really dive into the work of the day and start to do my most important tasks in the morning. I always think to myself, like, what is the most important thing I need to accomplish today? Then I go to my clinic to see patients, usually until at least 12 or 1 p.m. And then I'll have, I'll come home to have my lunch. If I'm seeing a full day of patients, then I have my lunch right there at work. I bring something with me, usually a salad with some protein on it. Like I said, I'm trying really hard to eat more meals rather than having snacks all day long. And so after I have that, that's when I kind of switch gears to my educational mode where I do either podcasts or write, or I consult with wellness clients and I do the education piece of what I do in my work. So it's nutrition, it's wellness, it's social media, it's writing, it's all of the things. That's how I wrote my book is is in those windows. And then around four o'clock when my kids come home, then we have time for activities. I take them to their activities. I usually do some kind of outdoor time either with them or between their activities. And then, you know, the six o'clock, 536 is the early dinner. And then I, about three hours before bed, I really try to wind down the work. So in between the kids' activities and the evenings, I'm on the phone, I'm on the computer, I'm doing some little things here and there. But then after seven, I really shut everything off and I spend a little more downtime, you know, getting to talk to them, doing maybe a little reading, doing stuff that's away from the computer and the phone. And I find that to be so vital and kind of resetting yourself for the next day. Um, I usually do kind of a reading or skincare routine, some kind of wind down. If I have time for a little more walking, I will do that then. And then, you know, really turning off those lights at least one hour before bed. So around nine, I shut everything down. 30 minutes before bed, I don't look at any devices, even though, you know, I've kind of stopped work two hours before that. I sometimes I'll look at the phone, I'll look at social media, but 30 minutes before bed, my phone, 30 minutes to one hour, my phone goes on my nightstand and it's on the charger and it's away. And I just do a nighttime routine and really get myself ready for bed. I do some kind of gratitude at that time. If I meditate, it's usually during that evening time. I try not to do too many energizing kind of workouts or activities because I'm trying to prepare my mind, my gut, my body for a good night's sleep. And I prioritize sleep a lot. So for me, I would much rather get a good night's sleep than watch a show or watch a movie. And so for most weeknights, there is nothing on. It's completely dark and I go to bed early. Yes, me too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're talking my language, sister. I'm in bed early and I would much prefer to get into bed and get a good night's sleep than watch something. Yeah, it just lights me up so much good sleep. Oh, I love it. It is good sleep. It's like the anchor, right, to everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your routine. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Go outside. Just get some natural light. It doesn't need to be sunny. You won't believe what a difference it's going to make in your mood, in your cravings, in your hormones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Oh, wow. I love that. Do the hard thing. So that's why in the morning, I always say to myself, what is the hard thing? What is the thing I need to do? that's going to move a lot of other things, that hard thing, even if it's just one, just do it. I love that. And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Again, be open to doing the hard work. There are conversations that we don't want to have. And, you know, I know, and you know, that we put those off sake of peace for the sake of sanity. But in real life, having those hard conversations is how you get more love, receive more love and give more love to others. Absolutely. So beautiful. This has been amazing, Amy. I've loved this conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom? 
Oh, I'm just so excited to share this with the world. And thank you so much for having me on. Because I think that even if you do nothing else, but take some of the things that we talked about today, I think it can make a big impact in people's lives. Yes, absolutely. Just take one thing that resonated with you and implement it into your life and then come and tell us on Instagram what it is. I would love to hear. I love connecting with all of my listeners. So come and tell me and Amy what you got from this episode. And I just want to thank you, Amy, for this awesome conversation and all of your amazing work that you're doing in the world. You are helping, you are serving, and you are supporting so many people to be healthier and happier. And so I'm so grateful. And I want to know how I and the listeners can give back and serve you today. Oh, this is, you've been so amazing. I think the only thing people can go get the book. I'm so effing hungry. I actually have it. I just got the actual hardcover to share. And But really, the real thing that people can do is to have these conversations with their friends, with their family, say, hey, let's prioritize our gut health. Let's see how that can change our cravings, how that can change our mood, how that can change our lives. Like, Start to really make these changes and spread it to your kids, your family, your communities so we can see the real change. Yes, absolutely. Open that dialogue, start having these conversations and it all just flows from there. So thank you, Amy. This is amazing. Your books are amazing. Your work is so important. So thank you for being here and sharing with us today. I'm so grateful. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you. I loved this conversation and I really hope that it's inspired you to take better care of your gut microbes and just remember that it only takes three days to change the environment in your gut. Only three days. That's not a lot. So if you loved this conversation and if you got a lot out of it, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode and I would love to hear if you like this sort of content, come and tell me and we can do some more episodes like this. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.